With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash acquire. That's linkedin.com slash acquire. Terms and conditions apply. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Anjali Sood has always sought out opportunities that aren't easy, that seem intimidating at first. That inspired her to leave Flint, Michigan at 14 for the elite boarding school Phillips Academy. And it inspired her to take on the role of CEO of Vimeo at 34. I think that when you are pushed outside of your comfort zone, you often get up that learning curve so much faster and you develop as a leader so much faster. This is Success How I Did It from Business Insider. I'm Rich Filoni. Vimeo is an ad-free video platform for filmmakers, who Sood calls creators. And the videos on Vimeo are generally more highly produced than those on YouTube. Sood worked at Vimeo for three years before getting the CEO job in July of 2017. It was an opportunity she told me she wasn't expecting, and so that's why she had to take it. Sue told us how she had a new vision for Vimeo as she led its creators team. As I was leading that business and as that business continued to get traction, the world around us sort of changed when it came to original content. You know, you started to see companies, not just Netflix, but many others spending billions of dollars on content. And it sort of became clear that uh, we weren't really going to be solving a problem that wasn't already being solved. And on the other side, the creator opportunity was just so big and was only growing. And we felt that we had a really unique story and a role to play. Could you kind of explain what Vimeo's approach is, like you're saying this two-pronged approach, and how that would be different from, say, YouTube? It is different from a YouTube. You know, YouTube is providing tools specifically to get creators to get eyeballs and audience uh, as they build their ad business. But Vimeo, we are sort of a, a platform agnostic company. We provide creators with the tools to create video, review rough cuts, share them with their team members, use the very advanced privacy tools. And then when they want to distribute those videos, we actually help them distribute not just on their own websites, but all over social media, including on YouTube and Facebook. So in many ways, we're not really a substitute to YouTube. We're actually an enabler in helping creators distribute and monetize their work anywhere. And so maybe like a creator on YouTube, you could have like this 14-year-old kid talking to his webcam, but with Vimeo, you're going to have like an actual film production team. Yeah, I mean, Vimeo started off really as a community for independent filmmakers and for video professionals, everyone from a freelancer to a videographer. What's been interesting is that now, you know, technology has sort of enabled more and more types of professional creators. So what we actually see is every startup, every small business, every school, every church is using video now to communicate with their audiences. And in many cases, they want really professional level tools. They don't want to see ads on their videos and 
not be able to control and own that experience. They want to be able to control and own the customers who are watching their videos. And in many cases, they actually want to build their own business on video. So we actually provide the tools and technology to build your own Netflix and to go direct to your own consumers. And that's actually one of our fastest growing businesses. And so when there's no ads on Vimeo, how do you guys make money from this relationship? So we are, in today's nomenclature, a classic SaaS business. So similar to a Dropbox or a Slack. So what's SaaS? Uh, software as a service. So okay. you can use Vimeo's tools. You can use as sort of a basic version for free. And then you subscribe to an annual membership plan to get access to our more professional services. And so we do not make any money from advertising Um, which is fairly rare for a company of our size in the video space. And it's a really important part of our strategy because we aren't incented to keep audience on Vimeo. We don't monetize that audience. And that means that we can actually make choices that uh, we believe are really better for creators. And that's why we can do things like help them get distribution out everywhere. Yeah, so it's the creator base, not necessarily the viewer base. Exactly. I want to talk about your story as well. So you grew up in Flint, Michigan. Yeah. Yeah. What was that like? Flint is obviously is a town that was once had a very booming economy. And then as the auto industry left, has really struggled for decades from a poverty perspective, crime, and then more recently health with the water crisis. Honestly, my experience growing up is I grew up as part of a wonderful community of loving, caring people, most of whom are still there today, including my, my family. And so I think, you know, sometimes Flint probably gets a worse rap than the reality. Is it tough to see that? I think it's great that there's more emphasis and information and the world is hearing more about what happened in Flint. I think for many people, you know, we hear about things happening outside the U.S. People forget that, like, in the U.S. itself, we have this dislocation. And so I think it's great that there's more awareness. I guess on a personal level, you know, it's always a a bit hard. But uh, I grew up in a town where you could see the impact business can have on a community. My dad has his own plastics recycling plant in Flint and was a big believer in how business can help create jobs for the local Flint community. And it definitely, when I think about my role today at Vimeo, I really love the fact that Vimeo as a business can influence the creator community. And like I think that tie-in is something that's sort of influenced me. And so I come at it from more of an optimistic angle, which is uh, the power business can have uh, to positively influence a community. Yeah. And your parents were immigrants from India. What brought them to Flint? They just settled in Flint because that's where they got jobs. And we had a really great, uh, small but great Indian community there. You know, they'd left all their family and friends. So that was really important. And, you know, they settled there and they like it. And I grew up in a family that was very interested in in doing things to be part of an active part of the community. So I certainly think that that is part of what drives me. Yeah. How do you think you've taken that into your role at Vimeo? I think at Vimeo, you know, we are a, we're a technology company. We're a SaaS company. But at the same time, we do invest a lot in our community on the platform, whether that's going out to festivals and conferences and sort of being on the ground and hearing from creators about what their needs are. We also invest, we have a whole team that sits at Vimeo and watches videos from our community and actually highlights some of the best work that's happening on the platform, not via algorithms, but more about the stuff you would never find. And we've actually seen an enormous number of careers get launched on Vimeo because of that visibility. And that's the kind of sort of empowerment that I think Vimeo can provide to our community. For me, that's one of the most meaningful parts of the job. Yeah. So you want a connection with your customers as opposed to just seeing them as numbers 
basically. Yeah. And I think, you know, the other thing is community can provide inspiration, right? I mean, every day, you know, there are new types of creators that they watch what others are making on Vimeo and it makes them want to try to create. And, you know, now again, technology is making it so much easier to create video that I think we will continue to see more diverse types of creators on the platform, largely driven from the community. You ended up going out east to Massachusetts Phillips Academy, this elite boarding school. How did you end up there? Yeah, it's a funny story. So I was 13 at the time, and I was with my dad at a Barnes & Noble's bookstore. We happened to walk past a book that was like the best high schools in America. And we just started flipping through it. And I didn't know there was this thing called prep schools. Like I didn't know that was a thing that existed. And it was sort of this moment where you're like, wait, hold on. Even though I'm sitting here in Flint, like I could get access to a totally different kind of education than what I am getting, say, in, in public school. And so we didn't really know what we were doing. My dad bought me the book. The next day I started applying. I applied to maybe like 30 schools, ranging from military academy to, you know, uh, Catholic school. Like I really didn't know yeah. anything. So this was your idea, not your parents' idea. Yeah, it was more of an experiment. I just, yeah. I just was curious about what this world was outside of what I knew mm-hmm. and sort of through a lot of random steps ended up getting into Phillips Academy and sort of after getting and realized that this was actually like one of the best schools in America and my dad and mom drove me in our minivan there for the interview and like you walk on this campus and there's literal ivy on the buildings and it's like the nicest (laughs) place they have their own museum I think once I saw it I sort of realized like oh man I'm never going to be able to just go back and stay in Flint and kind of like not give this a shot. You know, it was just this world I never even knew existed. And so, yeah, I left when I was 14. Was it at that point, like, oh, I want to go to an Ivy League school and then get this job or that? Or were you thinking that far ahead? No, I wasn't. Honestly, it was more just about getting a better education. I wasn't used to being around kids my age who were so, like, intellectually stimulating. And I think for me, it was super intimidating and terrifying, but also like really inspiring to see kids my age pursuing their... Um, More like interests. Yeah, their, their interests. And so it was really that that drew me. Um, what was your interest at this point? I was really into chemistry. I was like okay. a science person. Uh, and so that was sort of my thing. I always liked like math and science. I was very interested in business because of my upbringing and particularly my dad's work. Uh, and so I, I always thought I'd want to do something like that. But, you know, you're in like high school. Like start a business maybe? Or something? Yeah, I, I always thought, you know, I, maybe I could be an entrepreneur. The truth is that as I got older and by the time I got to college, I kind of knew that I wasn't likely to be an entrepreneur myself. And the reason was just that I was really attracted to finding companies and and problems that were, you know, where I could add value and kind of help take something from maybe growth stage to a whole nother level. Um, So when did you realize that? Probably by, by the time I was in college. I was surrounded by people who were really focused on finance. I was surrounded by people who were entrepreneurs. And I think you just sort of become self-aware over time about like what are the things that you're drawn to and I really I had a job working as a consultant for other small businesses and I just really loved helping them I loved like sitting with a woman who had just started a flower shop in Philadelphia and helping her think about her business plan and how she could grow it and I think that's when I realized that maybe instead of being the entrepreneur myself uh, what I really wanted to do was help really grow businesses. And that path, so Phillips to Wharton to Harvard Business School, 
That's like the prototype for like a career in Wall Street, basically. How did you not end up as like a Wall Street executive? Right yeah, now? well, so I did do investment banking yeah. right out of college, but I actually always knew I was not going to be an investment banker. Okay, I did it for really one reason, which is I wanted to be really well versed in finance. And I wanted to see how value was created and destroyed. And I specifically worked in mergers and acquisitions because I I wanted to develop that skill set. And so I always went in there with the view of let me get the best training that I can. And hopefully I can then take that and use it in the context of a business. And I think that has largely been true for me. You know, my first 90 days on the job as CEO of Vimeo, we did our biggest acquisition in our history and acquired a company called Livestream. And that experience of having worked in mergers and acquisitions and seen it a bunch of times really helped me. And so for me, it was it was really never about Wall Street, okay. but it was about getting a really valuable skill set that I thought would make me a better leader. On your way to Vimeo, you worked at Amazon and Time Warner. So at this point, did you still have an idea of what you wanted to get from each of these companies? Did you have a clear path in mind? Yeah, I knew I wanted to do finance first and get the experience. Then I wanted to transition into an operational role. The reality is it's hard to transition into an operational role when you're when you're a banker. When I was in business school, I applied to like every startup in the city and nobody really wanted me because I didn't have a great skill set for them. i had been doing mergers and acquisitions. Most early stage startups don't need that yeah. as an in-house job. So I really struggled to transition. And actually, Amazon was kind of the opportunity that I had. I started at Amazon in a finance capacity in their sort of corporate business development team in Seattle. And then after doing my summer internship there, I sort of convinced them to give me an operational role. And so my first real operational role, I was a toy buyer. I worked in the toy category, and I remember I was like at the Javits Center Toy Fair over here in New York. Over here City. in New York, yeah. uh, you know, writing purchase orders for Melissa and Doug Toys, and it was my, it was my first real operational role. I had no idea what I was doing, no experience, and I big credit to Amazon. You know, they over the years that I was there, uh, I was able to move into several different operational roles and get I think a really nice breadth of experience as an operator. By the time you were at Vimeo, so. IAC, which is Vimeo's parent company, this big media conglomerate, they'd spent a year looking for a new CEO. Did you volunteer yourself? Did you actively go for this role? I didn't explicitly raise my hand for the role because I didn't really, it didn't occur to me that that would make sense. At the time, we were looking to do our own original content and programming play, and I would not be the right person to lead that. So it wasn't explicit. At the same time, I definitely implicitly was advocating for this other strategy, and I was leading the creator business. It was going well. I was definitely very passionate internally about continuing to remind everyone of how well it was going and what a great opportunity it was. And so I think that certainly influenced the decision. So when you saw the effectiveness of this strategy, did that give you an indication that I could do this? Yeah, for sure. I mean, it definitely gave me an indication that I felt like the strategy was right. Everything I believed about Vimeo, its role in the industry, and what we could accomplish as a business, I was getting validation. And it definitely made me sort of trust my gut around where we should grow. But I would be lying if I said that it really occurred to me that that this path would happen um, in the way that it, it unfolded. IAC's chairman, Barry Diller, he's got this unique philosophy where he doesn't like to hire outside CEOs. He prefers to get 
homegrown talent and just kind of throw them into the deep end, see if they could rise to the challenge. Do you see that dynamic there with you? Absolutely. I mean, I'm the perfect example of that strategy. And I'm obviously a beneficiary of it, but I also am a really big believer in it as a philosophy. We're trying to build a company that also creates those kind of accelerated career paths for people that gives people an opportunity to sort of throw themselves in the deep end of the pool and own things that they might not normally get a chance to own. And it's a trial by fire approach. But I think it rewards results and talent over pedigree. And that can be really powerful. So when you have this kind of approach that's ingrained in a company like IAC, does that inspire you? Is that scary at all, knowing that you're part of this kind of experiment? Or? No, I think it's really exciting. Honestly, it's a really eye-opening experience to work with people like Barry Diller. And he's a visionary who's shaped the media industry for 40 years. And, you know, I think the culture at IAC, I would describe as one that's, you know, it's very intellectually honest and it's very results-driven. I personally happen to be someone who likes that kind of culture and environment. I connect with it. And I think many of the people that come to Vimeo and that come to IAC also possess that. There's not a lot of politics. There's no ego. It's very intellectually honest. And I think for me, it's been a great fit. IAC CEO Joey Levin, he told Reuters earlier this year that he wants Vimeo to bring in $100 million in revenue, reach a million paid subscribers, and that it's IAC's biggest non-public opportunity. So he states this publicly. How did you see this? I'm totally aligned with that view. Look, I think Vimeo is IAC's next big bet, and it's its next big bet for a reason. And we put together our strategic plan for Vimeo. You know, I've worked closely with Joey. He was our interim CEO for a year. He knows the business incredibly well. And I very much agree with him that those are our goals for the year and that we're going to accomplish them. Uh, I think it's a really great time for video creators and for SaaS companies. Vimeo is in a really special place. You know, we have an incredible brand. We have scale and we combine technology and community in a way that no one else does. So I think everything he's saying is uh, what I am in full agreement of. So having this goal public motivates you? Yeah, absolutely. But it does in the, to the extent that what's motivating is the ability to invest to achieve our mission. Our mission is to empower creators to tell their stories. And what I think is exciting is having IAC's backing and knowing that if we want to be aggressive and make smart but big bets to capitalize on this opportunity and fulfill our mission, whether that is through investing more in team or in marketing or in M&A or improving our tool set, that we can do that. And I think that's the beauty of being sort of part of the IAC family. And what motivates you in general? The community aspect is a big one for me. Realizing the impact of what we're building and what that impact can have on like people's lives and their livelihood is a big deal. Is that we, something you've thought of throughout your career? Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's certainly there have been jobs where I haven't had that much of that time. What's awesome, I think, about my role today is I get to meet a lot of the people who are being impacted by the tools that we're providing. And so that's that's a huge thing. And I think the other thing for me that's a big motivator is the team. You know, because I'm an internal promotion, I now lead a team of people who I worked personally with in the trenches for years. So that's the advantage instead of just bringing in. Yeah, you know, I I know them. I know them really well and I, I care about them. And we are a team that's sort of together working towards this. So that's also very motivating. 
So you're saying how your dad, he's got a recycling company, right? In yes, Flint? Plastics Recycling. Plastics yes. Recycling. <laughs> Have you called him up for advice as CEO? Yeah, for sure. I go to my dad for advice all the time. And when I was offered this job, you know, he was the first person I called. Oh, what was um, that calling? He claims he saw it coming, uh, <laughs> which is, I think, you know, I, I don't know if that's true. No, I mean, he said you'd be crazy not to take it. But uh, yeah, my dad's given me great advice. Probably one piece of advice that I would give to others that he's given to me is to live outside of your comfort zone. And it speaks somewhat to this sort of philosophy of put yourself in positions where you might not have a ton of experience. It's something I feel like I've done my whole life, leaving home at 14, going to Andover, I didn't know really <laughs> you know, anything. And I was definitely outside my comfort zone then. In many of the roles I've had at Amazon and certainly at Vimeo, I've been in situations where it wasn't like I had the playbook and I knew exactly what to do. And I think that when you are pushed outside of your comfort zone, you often get up that learning curve so much faster and you develop as a leader so much faster. And so I tell people, get comfortable doing that and do it as early as you can in your career. Would you recommend someone seek out opportunities like that? Or if it they feel that they're in a weird spot, it might be over their head, then that's good. How do you balance yeah. that? I think, and I'd say this for, for most young people, but I would also say, particularly for women, create your own opportunities. I absolutely think you should seek those out. And I would even say one sort of tip I have for how you create your own opportunities is like, look where others aren't looking. One of the reasons I was given ownership of the creator side of the business is because it wasn't at the time the area that was getting all the focus and attention so they could take more of a chance on me. And that's not a bad strategy. It gives you an opportunity to own something yourself, especially if you're passionate about it. It gives you an opportunity to own that thing and maybe get an, an experience that you wouldn't normally get if you kind of just went down the standard track. You're saying that this approach helped you become a better leader. What are some insights that you've had in your role as CEO? One is, for me, leadership is about doing the hard thing or the right thing, even when it's not the popular thing. And that was a big lesson for me because, you know, when you're young and you're moving up in your career, often you have to be sort of well-regarded and popular <laughs> to do well and to be able to have people want to work with you. And as a leader, I find now that like you often you're in a situation where you may have be the only one in the room with all the information or all the context. And sometimes you have to make decisions that aren't going to be popular or that people might not fully understand. Can you give an example? When I took over as CEO, we pivoted away from this strategy to build the management entertainment destination. That meant in my first couple weeks on the job, we had to make a lot of changes. We had to shut down parts of the business. We had to shut down offices and teams and reallocate teams. And that's hard, especially when you're sort of stepping in for the first time. But it was also my job to bring clarity and focus to the company. And we had to be razor focused on our mission and our teams and our organizational structure needed to reflect that. And so I think that's a, an example of sort of sometimes you have to do do things that are, aren't easy. Another thing that I, I really feel like is important in the way that I lead at Vimeo is transparency. I always say to my team that to the extent possible, I will keep it real. We do open Q&A with the team regularly. We have sort of lots of mechanisms through which we ensure that everybody is able to give their ideas, their feedback as part of our strategic planning process, part of any new initiatives that we roll out. 
And I think sort of having that transparent culture is really important, especially when you're in a very fast-paced industry that's changing all the time. When you're a CEO, you can often develop blind spots, and you can often surround yourself with people who will just tell you yes instead of telling you what's honestly happening. And so building that culture where everyone is comfortable being honest and keeping it real, I think, uh, for us, leads to better decision-making. What do you think the biggest challenge you face in your career has been? It's hard. The Probably the biggest challenge has been having the guts to raise my hand for stuff. You know, it is uncomfortable sometimes to feel you – know, I've been accused of being too impatient in my career, you know, and, and especially as a woman, I think there's always this like, ah, I don't want people to think I'm being too ambitious. But the truth is I am deeply impatient. And so there have been times in my career where I felt like I really wanted an opportunity – that opportunity didn't make sense. And actually, in those instances, I've been willing to walk away. But having the ability to do that and not kind of feel like question and second guess yourself and kind of wonder if you're being impatient is, is probably been the harder part. Yeah. And like, as you were saying, like with the repetition of that, you learn to trust yourself. Yeah. Like I was being impatient, you know, and I knew it. And there was that question of like, shouldn't I just play by the rules and like sit and wait and just do what I'm supposed to do. And then at some point, you know, I just had to think back to like my core and I was, I was like, no, I'm not going to do that. How do you define success? I define success for Vimeo in terms of our ability long term to fulfill our mission. You know, how are we going to help video creators in fundamental and life changing ways? And then I guess for myself, I define success in terms of my ability to positively impact my community, and the world around me through business. It's why I love business. There's no limit to the impact that you can have. You're not constrained by the number of hours of the day or the amount of dollars on your balance sheet. Like You can have this disproportionate amount of impact. And so for me, that's really powerful. And it's definitely the thing that I get up every day and I say, I get to be the CEO of Vimeo, and that's why I'm so excited. Well, thank you so much, Anjali. Great. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Success How I Did It from Business Insider. Our show is produced by Anna Mazarakis and Dan Richards. Dan Bobkoff is our executive producer, and I'm Rich Filoni. Please don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen and leave us a review. We'll be back next week with another episode of Success. Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%.